Hi, and welcome back to a Brian Schaefer story. My name is Edo La Rosa. This is a case that I'd like to throw in into the series. I researched it and released an episode of this disappearance on my Swedish podcast in February of this year. And at the same time, I became enchanted with the state of Georgia, uh, checking out various imagery and maps and locations. I found myself wanting to visit the state really bad. Uh, also called the Peach State, I happen to love peaches, and the ones grown in Georgia stand out apparently. Although this episode may seem abbreviated, uh, there isn't really any more information to be found in this case. The last news we got was a revamp hurled in 2015 when a minister from Atlanta reached out and did his utmost on behalf of the family to try to forward them some much-wanted answers. If uh, feasible, I'll update this case also with a conversation episode. I discussed some interesting tidbits with others while researching the case. Um, various reasons, of course, impact on why people go missing. In some uh, missing persons cases, there is usually evidence that something has been different or strange for some time before a person disappears. In other cases, impulse acts or planned acts committed by perpetrators make other fellow human beings disappear. Sometimes the local environment and its dangers are the reason why people are affected and disappear. And clearly, people also hit the road voluntarily. In Brian Schaefer's case, his disappearance can almost be attributed to all of these reasons. In this episode, I mention a disappearance where paranormal and supernatural reasons could be as hot of an option as any other explanation. This is the case of Christopher Tompkins. stretch called Warren Springs Road, Georgia 85. Four men walk in a row along the side of the road. The area is lined with forest with oak and pine trees, so characteristic of this region. It is January the 25th, 2002, and we are in Ellerslie, in Georgia, 
in southern United States. It's very sparse between the houses in the area and traffic is sporadic. The temperature that day was somewhat colder than usual, around 60 degrees. These four men who are in line work as surveyors. Working as a surveyor means with a few short strokes making decisions about how property boundaries should be drawn and how demarcations are to be made. In smaller towns in scenic areas, it is perhaps the ultimate profession. If you studied for it, some have said it's like spending time in nature and getting paid for it. One of the four men, named Christopher Tompkins, is 20 years old, of African-American origin. He has worked as a surveyor for just over a year, and he still lives at home with his mother. On this particular day, he had left home at around 8 a.m. He had driven his car into the office and then get a ride from his boss to the area where he was going to work for that day. The boss was familiar with Christopher Tompkins' family. Christopher's mother used to babysit to manage his own children. That very afternoon, Christopher's mother receives a call from the same manager that Christopher is missing. According to Christopher's colleagues, after a lunch break, they had continued to walk forward along the route they had been on prior. Christopher walked along in line by the back. The four men had been about 50 feet apart. The colleague closest to Christopher had just exchanged a few words with Christopher and finished the sentence. When he looks back again, Christopher is gone. They proceed to look for him and call out his name, but to little avail, Christopher is polished gone. They call in and inform the manager of his disappearance, and he then calls 911. Christopher's mother, Anne McKenzie, will be contacted at around 4pm that afternoon, and she would later be of the opinion that too much time had passed before she had been informed. Harris County Police, who received a call from emergency services, gets in contact with Anne McKenzie and tells her they can't take any action on her son's disappearance until 24 hours have passed. She immediately sees the matter more seriously than the police. She knows her son, and he wouldn't just disappear this way of his own accord. She proceeds to contact and gathers a bunch of loved ones and heads out to the site in Harris County where Christopher had vanished. Not far from the side of the road, at the barbed wire fence further down the stretch where Christopher would have been seen for the last time, they discover some belongings of Christopher. His one boot is found next to the front of the fence, and even his tools are there. Some coins in different denominations lie scattered on the ground. On the barbed wire of the fence, there is a small torn piece of cloth from his jeans that he had been wearing that day. But of Christopher Thonkins, there is no trace whatsoever. And Mackenzie is now beginning to harbor suspicion on the whole situation. When Harris County Police eventually get started with their own investigation, they try to comb the area as best as they can. Further into the forest, 
that's a stylish nature, changes character to more inaccessible swamp and swampland. Volunteers who have joined are sent in, and Centox are also used in this search. Unfortunately, without any success. After a week of searching, the answer to the riddle of what happened is presented to Christopher's family. Your son has left voluntarily. Christopher's colleagues, who were with him that day, are being questioned, but police find nothing directly suspicious, or that they would in any way be behind Christopher's disappearance. However, this seems to be more of a feeling that the police have gone on. And Mackenzie would question the police conclusion after the findings. Why on earth would Christopher, if he had planned to run away, take one shoe off and run away that way? The inquest only learns that Christopher's boss had commented that Christopher had behaved strangely in the days before his disappearance. Something his mother, though, denied had been the case. In coming weeks, another important but sole discovery would be made. A little less than 900 yards away from the first findings, in an area behind fences on private land, the owner finds the second booth Christopher had been wearing that day. So what on earth could have happened to Christopher Tompkins? Out on the web, what is rooted in various theories, amongst other things, is the supernatural. A Sasquatch, Bigfoot took him, a portal opened and devoured Christopher, aliens. A more down-to-earth theory is a potential attack by an animal predator. He could possibly have been brusquely pulled over the fence. The boot went off, in the upside-down position the coins fell out and the jeans were damaged by the barbed wire. Animal predators that roam the state of Georgia include black bears with a fairly solid population that has slowly but surely recovered from a near total extinction in the 30s. Alligators are found but further down the coast. Another prevalent animal predator are cougars. However, they are found in extremely limited numbers in the northwestern part of the state. But there were no traces of blood found in the vicinity of the area where Christopher was allegedly attacked. And as is known, no body or body part were found either. After all, animals are not aware of legal penalties and have a vested interest in hiding the body. Christopher colleagues also did not report hearing screams or anyone calling for help. A predator attack would also not be able to explain how his tools had just ended up at the fence along with his other belongings. The family, led by the mother, tried to highlight that the last people Christopher was seen with were his colleagues, and that it was more than likely in her eyes that they were behind his disappearance somehow. In her favor, three things can be said in this regard. The first is that one of his colleagues lawyered up a week after his disappearance. There is no direct burden in doing this, and it may be wise to do so for various reasons. But perhaps it raised an eyebrow that when the police just finished searching for Christopher's whereabouts and were about to start drawing some conclusions and turning their attention to the theory that the others present in his company may have been involved in causing his disappearance, for what reason 
do you make sure to keep the guard up right away? The second reason is that one of his colleagues ended up in prison, albeit for a crime unrelated to Christopher's disappearance. But apparently this was a robbery. This individual was thus in prison, and the police managed to get him to take a lie detector test, of which the results were not relayed. The third reason is that it has emerged that the police have not properly questioned two of the three colleagues in total. Not then, not under, and not since then. Their testimonies have been taken, but otherwise they have been left alone. The family had demanded a more stringent questioning on law enforcement part, saying that the colleagues had had elongated periods of time during the day to do something to Christopher and be able to try to cover the tracks. Normally you think of surveyors as pretty moderate people. We have no idea what was going on here. In favor of the colleagues, it can perhaps be said that, in the time frame they have indicated, they called for help relatively quickly, if their initial statements are correct, that is. If they had staged the crime scene, why leave Christopher's belonging in that place that way? Wouldn't it have been easier to try to hide them in another way, or maybe just say that they heard something and then Christopher was gone? Their testimony was probably credible enough so that the police, privy or further clues, could attack more diligently. Proper interrogations are held when you investigate and have a tangible trace or a concrete evidence that something has happened. You're looking for a confession. Could Christopher have wanted to disappear from everything by escaping his way? Or could he have gotten wacky after that lunch break that made him act the way he did? Christopher Tompkins' case is featured in the book Missing 411. Written by David Polides, it addresses the large case of disappearances in the United States National Parks. The area where Christopher disappeared was near the Franklin Roosevelt State Park. What these disappearances have in common is that, according to Polides, they have a variety of mysterious question marks. Many times the body is never located. David Polides served as a police officer and then as a detective for two decades. He mentioned in Christopher's case that it appears that Christopher was hurled with considerable force against the fence. Could this have been the scenario that occurred here? A vehicle in a high speed that accidentally hits Christopher as he walks along the side of the road. During his time in operation, Polides had seen shoes being thrown far away from the body of the victim. Maybe they grab and leave with Christopher's body in the car to clear the tracks, but make the mistake of leaving without bringing his belongings. Perhaps they went back to the shelter of the night to dump the remaining shoe and remove the traces that Christopher had left the scene. Such a big bang would probably have been heard by the colleagues. There were no reports of suspicious vehicles nearby either in their testimony as far as is known. But the distance between each other and the time when the last spoke to each other may have been misjudged, making Christopher's case seem more mysterious than it actually was. What to make of this case? Was it his colleagues who 
who were behind its disappearance. Have they thus managed to keep quiet about this for all these years? And what was the reason why they committed this act in the first place? Or was it the predator who dragged Christopher away? Or did something even more mysterious than this happen? His case file reports the following. Race, black. Weight, 130. Height, 5'9". Eyes, brown. Hair color, black. Christopher Tompkins was last seen on Friday, January 25th, 2002, at approximately 1.30 p.m., walking away from a surveyor job site in a wooded area near Highway 85 in Harris County, Ellerslie, Georgia. At the time, he was wearing a pair of navy blue pants, a plaid jacket with a grey hood, and a black skull cap. Tonkins had a tattoo on his right arm, consisting of his name in vertical letters, written inside an ice cream cone. The ice cream part is the head of a joker wearing a hat. In a last desperate attempt by the family to try to unriddle Christopher's mysterious disappearance, they attempted to get his case extradited to the state's own police force, the GBI, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, in the hope of making more resources available and provide a better review of the case. After a period of throwing back and forth, they finally get the response from the authority, and the family appoints a spokesperson who heads over to the GBI headquarters near the city of Decatur. The spokesperson is met with something he compared to the Situation Room in the White House, and he has an exhaustive meeting with the director of the agency. Once again, however, the family's hope of getting some answers once and for all are dashed. After their analysis, the reply from GBI was, you know, sometimes these things just happen. Nothing else has been seen or heard of Christopher Tompkins since that day.